Thank you, worship team. Worship team's going to come back up a little bit later. Uh, as I said, we have communion this morning together, and we're going to sing a song to get us uh, ready for that, remind us what's happening when we receive communion together. And we receive communion after we receive the word because we're feeding on something even as we uh, go through this, even as I'm sharing uh, we're feeding on God's word. There's something that is nourishing, sustaining about God's word. And that's what we're going to be talking about really as we focus on and look at our sermon series for the next two months, September and October. This is just the intro to it. I've titled it Diving Into the Deep End, and I'm going to use this analogy multiple times throughout the rest of the um, sermon series, and I'll use probably an analogy of a, an oak tree or, or planting a tree and it growing, because I want to talk about something that is a, a church concept, it's a theological concept that some of us who grew up in a church, we just assume we know it, or we just take it for granted that it's happening, but I do want to explain it, because I forget where it was or when I was doing it, but we were we were singing a song. I don't think it was here. I think it was actually at a different service somewhere else. And we were singing about God's holiness. And I was thinking to myself, we sing about God being holy all the time. Do we really understand what that means? And what his holiness and its implications are on our life? And then as I was thinking about that, this word that... You know, I went through seminary, I've read it, learned about it, talked about it, is one that we use in the church. Maybe it's new to you, but I want to, I really want to explain what it means because it's so important for us as followers of Jesus. And if you remember, and you'll keep hearing this phrase uh, when I shared it back in July, I want to be a church that uh, we are disciples who makes disciples. That's what I want us to be known for. I want that to happen long after Ted Rathman is not here anymore. That is a church that takes seriously their discipleship and they make disciples at that church. If we're really going to do that, we need to understand this word called sanctification. This morning, we're going to have communion, something we do uh, often. Uh, maybe we'll do it more often. I don't know. But what is actually happening here is God is extending his grace to us because we are sinners in need of grace. We get invited to his table, and through this bread and this cup, he does something mysterious and amazing, and he once again communicates to us that we are recipients of his forgiveness. And that ought to mean something to us, and that ought to change us and that word is called sanctification. What's happening is called sanctifying. And so I want to talk about that this morning and kind of intro this idea, this uh, theological concept. Next Sunday, I'm going to actually have a, a, a sheet for you because we're going to go through this somewhat quickly, faster than you're probably going to take it all in. Um, so I, I want to really drive this home. So I'm going to create a half sheet of paper, and it's going to have some of the slides I had up on here. This morning that you're going to see, and on the back of it, it's going to have some notes because uh, opportunity for you to take some notes because I think this is a very important idea uh, that the, the scriptures drive home. 
that, as I said, is connected to God's holiness. We're going to talk about that in the next two Sundays, next week, and the following week, and what those implications are for us as followers of Jesus. So here's the analogy that's going to be woven through the entire sermon series from now to the end of October. October 29th is our Friendship Sunday. We do a combined worship service that Sunday, and we usually try and use that Sunday to have some testimony and things like that, and that's the plan for this year. I'm hoping that God, through this time, just starts working in people's hearts, and we're going to have some testimonies of what God's doing in people's lives. This is just a picture of somebody doing something we all have probably done or do every time before we dive into a pool. We test the water, see how cold it is, decide whether or not we're actually going to jump in. Or we walk up to the ocean and we just let the waves hit our feet because we're not sure we want to actually get in and freeze to death jumping in. And so we just test the waters out. And so maybe you are the person that goes to the beach and you just stand at the end of the, where the waves are crashing and you don't go in any further. You're just in the, the shallow end. Or maybe you're that person that uh, goes to the pool and you just stay in the shallow end more because you don't want to get your hair all messed up so you don't actually dive into the deep end. So this is someone just testing the waters out. And I want to use this analogy to talk about our faith in God and how many of us unfortunately just do that with our walk with Jesus. We just, we just test the waters out. And it, I wanted to use this analogy because it became really great as a way of sharing with you what happened in Leah's life this summer. Um, as she was learning how to swim, we'd been teaching her how to swim, but there was still this like fear to actually even put her head under the water. And so she would just kind of be swimming around in the shallow end wouldn't go any deeper. When we'd go to the beach, she wouldn't really go out in the, the deeper end of things. When we've been at other people's pools, we have a, a pool that's just some canvas, you know, cheapo thing. Um, and we could only fill it so high, so it wouldn't be too, too high above her head. And, you know, she's not the tallest girl in the world, so it wasn't too deep. Um, so, but she still wouldn't even put her head under the water. And then we'd go to a pool where there's a diving board or a slide or something. And, you know, she couldn't do it because when you go down, you're going to go in the water, wouldn't jump off the edge like that. There's just still something there. And so she got to see all the fun Lily had with her cousin Peyton or Emma or whoever, all of them swimming out there in the deep end, jumping off the diving board, doing all that kind of thing, going out in the ocean, being a little bit deeper so you could swim around. And she was missing a lot of that fun. So we bought her, apparently these have magical properties in them. They're on her head right now. We bought her these goggles. I'm going to try and put them on and see if I can fit into them. No, my head's too fat. I don't want to break them because she will be, she will be really mad. I don't know what happened with these goggles, but when she puts them on, there is no fear. She is swimming all over the place. She jumping off the side of the pool where it's obviously much deeper than the, the three feet that she can walk around in. 
She's going out into the ocean where it's, you can't stand really great and swimming around or she'll go out there with me and she'll just start swimming and come back or whatever. Uh, going off diving boards. I mean, she has generated tons of courage from just these little goggles. Like I said, I don't know if there's something about them. I am renting them for $10 a day if you want to put them on. See what happens. I don't know what you're struggling with. But it was just amazing to see the transformation. That when she put these on, she could finally experience what she had watched everybody else experience for the last number of years. Because she just wouldn't do it. She wouldn't go into the deep end. And now she is getting to actually experience what swimming is all about. Now you can't get her out of the pool. Now she stays in there. So she's like shivering. It's, she's freezing, but she refuses to get out of the water. She just loves being in it. Every time there's a pool around, everywhere we go, she just is swimming in that pool. And I thought to myself, that is the perfect analogy of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And so many people stick their foot in and they don't go any further. And they're actually missing out on all that God has in swimming in that deep end. That deep end that is a relationship with Jesus. Not only that, but that is the expectation of the Christian walk. So we're going to look at John. This is a prayer that Jesus has for his disciples. And Jesus uses the word sanctifying. We're going to define that. We're going to talk about what that is. But this is what Jesus is praying for, for his disciples and all of us. John 17, we're coming mid-prayer. Jesus is talking to his Father in heaven. He's about to get arrested. He's about to go to the cross. He's ab about to die for our sins. And this is his prayer to God about the disciples. And he says something very specific in this prayer about sanctifying them. There's this expectation that we as followers of Jesus are going to grow in some kind of way. And Jesus is going to define what that way is, and we're going to use the rest of this sermon series to define what that way is. But first, we've got to start with what it looks like to actually stop just sticking our toe in and really dive in. So we're coming mid-prayer, Jesus chapter 17 of John's gospel. Jesus is talking here, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. He's saying this to God. I'm coming to you now, Father. But I'm saying these things while I'm still in the world because I haven't got, gone to the cross yet. He's not um, been arrested yet. All those events haven't transpired yet. But this is what he is praying to his disciples. And my screen just blacked out, so I'm going to have to turn around here. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. I mean, he just rewind a little bit. John chapter 15, he's talking about all kinds of persecution that's going to take place. There's something different about the people following Jesus. God's people are different than the people of the world. There's something that's unique about us. What is that something? Jesus is going to tell us that, and it's going to be the identifying mark, one of the identifying marks of followers of Jesus. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Our home is somewhere else. We feel that more and more sometimes as we live in this fallen and broken world. My prayer is that you not take them out of the world, Jesus says, but that you protect them from the evil one. 
Jesus isn't trying to remove us. Obviously, he had a mission. He's accomplishing that, and he's about to give his disciples a mission. But it's not going to be easy, and this is kind of hearkening back to the Lord's Prayer of what Jesus would have taught them in Matthew chapter 6, I believe, that he's asking for God to protect them from the ruler of this world, who the Bible says is Satan. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. God, he is praying to God that he would do something in his disciples and thereby in all of us who would follow Jesus later. He is asking God to sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, Jesus isn't talking about the Bible here. The Bible didn't exist when Jesus prayed this prayer. We call the Bible God's word. So we understand that this is God's word. But what is Jesus saying here when he says, sanctify them by the truth? Your word is truth. Well, if you go back to John chapter 1, we read about the word being made flesh. And the word made his dwelling among us. The actual word that is used there is tabernacling. It goes back to when Moses built the tabernacle and God's presence would dwell with them. The word became flesh. Sanctify them through what I have taught them, Jesus is saying to the Father. What they have learned from me, what they have watched me do, sanctify them by that. So we still don't know what sanctify means yet, but this is what Jesus' prayer is for his disciples. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself. So Jesus is about to do something to sanctify himself in order that we too may be sanctified. Now, I guess this word sanctify is really important we define because Jesus is using it a lot. So we're going to do that right now. This word is going to be something that comes up again and again. It's a church word that we use. If you grew up in church, maybe you heard it. If you didn't, it might be new to you. But it's a theological concept that is extremely important to being a disciple of Jesus. And it has a lot of connections to the Old Testament and God's holiness. That's in later episodes. Today, we're talking about to sanctify something. What does that mean? If I'm going to sanctify something, I'm going to set it apart for a holy use, separate from the profane world for sacred employment. So we're going to learn about how that happened in the Old Testament. Remember, they had the, the temple. The priests went into the temple and offered sacrifices. The priests offered sacrifices for themselves, and they offered sacrifices for the people. And they had something called the Day of Atonement where they offered a sacrifice, a lamb without blemish, for the sins of everyone. And they would use certain things. There was an altar there. There were candles in there. There were bowls in there. They used incense. They used all kinds of things. And what they did was they sanctified those things like a bowl was sanctified. It was set apart to only be used in this temple because it was holy. There was something different about this because its job, its function was to worship God through its use in the temple. 
So that's what sanctify means, setting something apart, separating it for some kind of holy use. Now let's think what Jesus said. Sanctify them. He's asking God. Set them apart, separate them for your holy use because I've got a mission and a job for them to do. But I'm asking you to set them apart from the broken, fallen, sinful world. So how's that going to be accomplished? You have to wait and find out. This is what is actually, the, the word is actually meaning. To sanctify something is to set it apart. Sanctification, what, you, what is happening in and through us, is the work of God's free grace. Jesus says, okay, God, I want you to sanctify them, set them apart. Well, how's God going to do that? God does that through his grace, whereby we are renewed, all of us, not just a portion of us, the whole man, that's what it's talking about. Our behavior, our attitude, our language, the things we say, our thought life. Jesus talked all about this through his entire ministry. How we treat other, people's, other people, even our enemies, the whole person is being renewed after the image of God. Okay, so when Jesus says, uh, use your word to sanctify them, Jesus is talking about his own life, the image of God. This renewal that's happening, that's setting apart, is so that your life and my life resembles that of Jesus' life. And then we're enabled. This is what's going on. When God sets us apart, he sanctifies us, we're renewed, and then he enables us to more and more stop looking like the world and start looking like Jesus. This theologian, his name is Tom Odin. This stuff, I didn't come up with these definitions. Way smarter people than I did, than I am, came up with them. That's why I have all their books in my office. This is a definition given by Tom Odin, who is a theologian. Uh, three volumes, they're great volumes. If you love theology, I recommend them. But in it, he says, what is happening is we are dying to sin and living unto righteousness. This is where that holiness aspect comes in. We sing all about God's holiness. Well, what about us? What's our life supposed to look like? Sanctification is what Jesus is praying for is that we would stop living and looking like the world that is riddled with sin and looking and living more like Jesus. So what's happening within us when this process is taking place? How does it work? How does it work itself out? This is the continue that, that we always talk about. I use the word a lot, transformation. The continued transformation of the moral and spiritual character so that the life of the believer, your and my life, actually comes to mirror the standing we have in God's sight. When we figuratively come to God's table, that's what communion is. We are approaching God as sinners. Well, if we think about the Old Testament, you couldn't approach God as a sinner. They had the Holy of Holies. Remember that place that only the priest could go only once a year to offer this sacrifice to God because God was so holy, he cannot tolerate any sin. And yet today, you're invited to his table. 
How is that possible? That is possible through what Jesus is about to do in John chapter 18, 19, 20. In giving his life for us. But that doesn't stop it for us. It doesn't just stop at that point. Sanctification means we continue to be transformed into the person and likeness of Jesus. Christianity is not about showing up someplace at a particular time of day on a particular day of the week. It's not what Jesus was doing. There ought to be something happening within us. And yes, there is a connection between God's holiness and our moral and spiritual character. Growing as a disciple means the way that I speak to people looks different than the way the rest of the world speaks to people. Growing as a disciple means my behavior in, in settings looks different than what the world's looks like. That is why Jesus is saying, I want you, God, to set them apart. So what the world sees is me, not the sin that entangles and enslaves in the sin that you have poured your wrath out upon. Jesus took that for us. And so when you stand before God, when you come to God's table, when I approach God as the pastor of the church, I stand and come that my life mirrors the righteousness that Jesus had because he's given that to me. And every day and every week and every month and every year, my prayer is, the deep end of the pool is, God continues to transform that in me. So what I'm going to share with you next is why we're invited to God's table. How is it possible that a sinner like Ted Rathman can come to God's table? We call that, this is the church word for it, the theological term, we call it justification. I'm going to put this on a half sheet of paper and you're going to get it next week because I'm not going to go through the whole thing this morning. There's just way too much there. But what I want to point out that in Jesus's prayer, what happens next in John's gospel and Romans is, is dealing with this in a lot of ways. What happens next is something Christ does for us. The sacrifice that Jesus made, his broken body represented by the bread, his poured out blood represented by the juice. Jesus did that for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. He has justified us. This is the, the courtroom scene where Satan is accusing us and accusing us. And wait a second, God, Ted's the pastor of that church. Didn't you see what he did the other day? Didn't you see this way? Don't you know about his past? And the courtroom scene is Jesus says, yep, I know all about it, and I paid for it. He's welcome at my table. He's a sinner who has received my grace. That's what happens. That's what's taking place. 
and we eat bread and drink this juice. So simple of an act, but something tangible that we do that God is continuing to remind us of his grace. And that grace is not just a once for all kind of thing. Jesus paid for my sins, past, present, and future. That's the, the right standing I have before God. But he did something else and he's doing something else. That if this is the only thing I know, if this is the only place I stop, then I'm just sticking my toe in. I'm not actually diving into what God has. I'm not actually going to that next section of the pool and, and learning what it really means to swim. If I just stay here. Justification is something Christ did for us. That's what communion is all about. But what happens in some kind of mysterious spirit, Holy Spirit kind of way, is God is continuing to do something in us. So we are justified before God through Christ, and he is praying, John 17, that we would be sanctified, that the Spirit would do something in us, that the Holy Spirit would make us more like Jesus. It is an ongoing, continuing work. Many of us can raise our hand and say, it was at this time that I came to Christ. I can tell you when I was born again. And here's how it happened and here's what God did. I remember vividly that courtroom scene and Jesus saying, nope, I paid for it. He's free to go. She's free to go. But Jesus isn't done. There's an ongoing, continuing work that happens. This, this continuing grace, this, man, I... Hope in the last week, two weeks, month, year, you've confessed sin before God, repented of it, and prayed for forgiveness. That's the ongoing work of sanctification. We know we're not there yet, God. We haven't arrived there yet. There's work still to be done in our life. That's the diving into the deep end kind of thing. The work is enabling us to change our character, who we are. Again, this isn't just a Sunday morning kind of thing. This is something God is doing when you're at home by yourself and you turn the computer on, what's the stuff you're looking at? When you're at work, there's nobody else from church around you. How are you treating your employees or your coworkers? How are you talking to them? When you're interacting with that person that you know hates your guts, what's your interaction with them? This is the work of sanctification. And so many Christians stick their foot in, and that's all the further they go. And you are completely missing out on what God has for you in your life. And the same sin you were struggling with five years ago, you're struggling with today. Because you haven't confessed it, repented it, and asked for forgiveness for it. So that God can do the ongoing work of setting you apart for himself. That is what sanctification is. That is what diving into the deep end looks like. And it works itself out differently in each believer. 
Where I am today is maybe at a different part, a different place than where you're at. And that's okay. That's just how it works. There were a lot of kids swimming way before Leah was swimming. Well, that's okay. It took the magic goggles to make it happen. All right, so we got magic goggles and now she's swimming there. And she's in that deep end. And some of you are not the greatest swimmers and so you're not swimming in that deep end quite as much. And that's okay. This work is different for all of us. It happens different for all of us. It works itself out different for all of us. But we're all called to do it and to take that next step. Maybe it's only three feet you're swimming in. Why don't you try the five feet? Now, that's still kind of above my head a little bit or really close. So I got to go a little bit deeper. Or maybe you have to go a little bit deeper. This is so important to who we are as followers of Christ. That this is why I want to take the next two months to focus on this. There's a difference between these two ideas, these two very real theological concepts that are all over this scripture, but two different things are happening, and sometimes I think we just get stuck. And we're just dipping our toe in. You ought to see a different life today than you did five years ago and ten years ago. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about God's holiness and our call to be holy as he is holy and how that plays into this process. If you've been struggling with the same sin for the last five years, ten years, maybe a long, long time, I want to encourage you to really start praying about this sanctification piece, this setting apart for God's purpose so that my life might mirror Jesus's life. That is possible. That's what scripture is telling us. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables that in our life. When we come to the table, we are recognizing the finished work of cross of Christ on that cross and the fact that he rose again so that I might not die in my sin, but live unto righteousness. Live a life honoring to God. That is made possible through that finished work. But God's not done. All the things I listed this morning, we took a decent amount of time to talk to you, and I did it at first service too, to talk to all of us about stuff we do at Grace Church. We don't just do it to keep me busy. It does keep me busy. But we don't just do it to keep people at Grace Church busy for the sake of doing it. Well, we should run this program and we should this run this program. The reason we're doing it is because we want you to dive into that deep end. Now, some of you were taught to swim by pushing. You're looking at the water. I'm not sure I want to jump in. Oh, too bad. I was pretty young when I was thrown into the water and had to learn how to swim. And I did a lot of that my whole life growing up. But there's something about discipleship that I can urge, we can prod, we can encourage, we can come alongside, we can challenge. But you got to take that step. I can't do it for you. The people leading at this church can't do it for you. It's something you've got to do. And it's something Jesus prayed for before he went to the cross 
because uh, this world is going to see something different in these people. There is something different about your life. You're not like all the other people. And it has to do with why do you treat people so kindly? That dude at work is terrible to you. Why do you treat them in a different way? Why do you sacrifice so much? Why are you always looking out for somebody else? Why are you always giving to this person? You're always going over to your neighbor's house and making sure they're okay, cleaning their driveway, cutting their grass. You, you speak real different than most people. Like, you don't curse like a sailor. I used to curse like a sailor. I know what cursing like a sailor means. I did. I was a sailor, and I cursed like a sailor. And when I went to work at the bed and breakfast, when I understood this justification piece, and I knew I'd take that step into the deeper water, I worked with a guy that's like, Ted, I don't think I've ever heard you swear since we've been working here. And there's been plenty of times that you should probably have sworn, but you haven't. Why not? I just told him why. Everything that we're trying to do as Grace Church is connected to this process. And all that we are asking and all we're urging and encouraging and challenging you to do is stop just sticking your toe in the water. It's time to dive in. And the, the image that I have in my head now of that is Leah this past year. She wrote, I don't remember what it was for. I can't remember. It was something homeschooling-wise. She had to write a, some kind of paper about maybe what she did this past summer. I can't remember. But one of the things, like the, the, the amazing thing that happened this summer is I went swimming in the nine-foot end of the pool. She'd never done it. But because she had her magic goggles, she could do it. Like, I don't think she's out here. She's probably back there. It's just as dangerous with those goggles on to jump into nine feet. I'm not going to tell her that, though, so don't tell her. But just the joy that she's experienced in swimming, and she doesn't want to get out of the pool, ever. I really think that's what walking with Jesus looks like. And there's a lot of people just sticking a toe in. Jesus said, I'm setting them apart. God, just as you set me apart, and Jesus is about to do that for us, he's going to be that sacrifice. He's going to be that spotless lamb. He is setting himself apart so that the Spirit might set the disciples apart and all the disciples who followed after them. He is setting them apart for a mission. Remember, he prayed, not that I'm going to take them out of the world, but protect them in this world where there's a lot of people that need Jesus. If you're that person that's been struggling with that same sin, and you know what it is, you can think of what it is, I want you to know that God has enabled you to overcome it. And actually, he's calling you to do that as he transforms our life into a mirror image of Jesus. It is possible.
but you got to take that step. You got to dive into the deep end. Maybe you're that person that just, you know, church is just a Sunday morning thing. I do it. I'm supposed to do it. I'm here. Maybe this fall and, and maybe today when we receive the bread and the cup, we recognize what Jesus did. And that accuser is telling you, well, don't you see what he did? God, can you see what she did in her life? She just did it last week. Nobody knows, God, what they did 10 years ago. I do. You know what they did, God. And Jesus says, you're welcome at my table. It's time to dive in the deep end. Leave the past behind you and start swimming with the joy that I've offered and provided for you. This sermon series is about that. I'm going to be encouraging you and challenging you to take that testing the water and go a little bit deeper. Maybe it's going to take a little bit for you. Just take that next step. It's only four foot of water. Your head's still above. And maybe that next step. It's just been driven home to me in the last couple of months that this is just where I'm at with sharing with Grace Church what I think God wants to do in and through us. The last 10 years of ministry here, I feel like I've just put my toe in. I'm ready to dive into the deep end. Today, we're going to take communion. You're going to take the bread. You're going to take the cup. And I'm inviting you to receive Jesus' sanctifying grace again. Make today different in your life. Maybe you walked in here today and you haven't even received that grace in the justifying aspect. That you've never actually confessed Jesus as Lord. Confessed your sin and turned from it and said, God, I don't want to live under sin anymore. I want to live under righteousness. Today is the day God's calling you to do that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and we're going to sing a song that is conveying for us what Christ has accomplished so that we can dive in to that deep end. As they sing that song, we're going to sing it together. And afterwards, we're going to have communion together. The ushers are going to come forward and they're going to receive the bread. We're going to pass that out to everybody. And then we're all going to receive that together. And we'll do the same thing with the juice, with the cup. They'll pass all of it out. I'll give the words of institution and we'll receive all of that together. You do not have to be a member of Grace Church to have communion today. You simply must have confessed Jesus as Lord. If you haven't done that, I'm going to be standing up here singing along with the group. If you haven't done that and you want to come to the altar, please do that.
and I'll come up beside you and we can pray together. God is inviting us to dive in. That's made possible through what Jesus has done. Let's stand together and sing this song, Living Hope.
declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, your message we need to hear as we get ready to receive communion together. You may be seated. In liturgical terms, in the order of worship terms, this prayer I'm about to pray is called the prayer of consecration. Some Bible translations actually take John 17 and instead of using the word sanctify, Jesus says consecrate. That's what we're doing. We are asking God to set us apart for him because we know we're coming as sinners and we know we don't stay there. So when you receive this bread and this cup today, remember that and ask God to help you dive in to that deep end. Let's pray. Father, we come to your table at your invitation to us, knowing full well our whole life today, this past week. In fact, Lord God, you know everything about us, and yet you invite us because of what we've just sung about. Because Jesus has set us free. We are no longer enslaved to that sin. God, forgive us where we failed you. We confess our sin to you this morning, each of us, collectively. God, we ask for your forgiveness and help us to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. And Father, may this bread and this cup communicate your sanctifying grace to us one more time so that we might live as different people. We pray it 
In Jesus' name, amen.